I'm executive editor Dave Nordman, joined on this Monday by Alex Guardiola, Director of Government Affairs and Public Policy for the Worcester Regional Chamber of Commerce. Welcome, Alex. David, thanks for having me. Uh, Alex, why don't we just start? It's been a, it's been a long time since we've uh, we chatted. Um, just talk a little bit about uh, the chamber, what you guys are up to, um, and uh, it's it's. I'm sure every day is a different day and a busy day. Absolutely, and obviously we want to first thank our sponsors who uh, make this happen for us. Without them, none of this could be possible. So uh, you know, Worcester Regional Airport has been a great. Uh, partner with us as well as Fidelity Bank. We thank them both for uh, allowing us to do this. But uh, with that being said, you know, obviously uh, through COVID, it's been an interesting time for everyone, uh, including the chamber. You know, we've been, we kind of pivoted our way through uh, what we typically do. Uh, in my field specifically, you know, I do a lot of a legislative agenda. I advocate on all three levels, uh, municipal, state, and federal. Uh, and typically we're looking at, you know, bills that we want to you know push through. We want to make sure that we're getting money back into the city. And uh, prior to COVID, my conversations were surrounded around transportation and, uh, you know, roads and bridges, infrastructure, uh, you know, and those kind of things. And then all of a sudden COVID hit and uh, we had to manage through uh, PPP loans and grants and recovery. So uh, it's been a busy and trying time for all of us. Yeah, so talk about uh, talk about the the latest bills. Before we got on the air, we talked a little bit about how there's just so much information out there. Um, you know, talk about what the latest is coming out of uh, coming out of Boston. Yeah, so you know, obviously, maybe it feels like a little sense of normalcy <laughs> just to go back to some regular bills, not just talking about COVID stuff. Uh, but you know, again, some of these bills are going to be surrounded around COVID because we're going to have to do some recovery. Uh, you know, tracking the economic development bill. Um, there's a couple of them out there. So we have the, the House of Representatives version, which is called uh, the Act Enabling Partnership for Growth. Uh, that's, uh, you know, a $459 million bill. And then on the Senate side, they came out with their own, which is the Act to Encourage New Development and Usher in Recovering Economic uh, Economy, excuse me, which is also named the Endure yeah, Act. So, so talk about the, talk, I mean, it's sort of your specialty, but talk about like the two separate bills and how you take that information and then interpret it for the local business community. Yeah. So that's kind of what I do specifically is I kind of digest <laughs> reams of paper. <laughs> My weekends are really cool. Um, so what I do is I kind of sit down with all the bills and, uh, you know, both bills specifically on this one and kind of read through them both and, you know, kind of highlight what is, uh, you know, the key points of them. Um, and then, you know, kind of cross reference to each other and they're, they're similar in some respects, but there's a couple differences and uh, nuances, but, you know, with the representative side, uh, the house representative, they have, you know, uh, money for, you know, housing, community development, job creation, business competitiveness, um, you know, trans-oriented housing, which we talked a lot about here in Worcester, you know, for those at home who don't know what uh, trans-oriented development is, or TOD as it's uh, acronymed, uh, it's building housing and developments around transportation. So for our purposes, it would be Union Station being the hub for not just trains, but for buses as well, uh, for the WRTA, and building housing around it, like the 145 Front Street, uh, you know, up and down Shrewsbury Street, around the, the Canal District neighborhood. The idea being is getting cars off the road so folks can utilize bikes uh, to get to the actual commuter rail or the, the bus station, um, which makes it a more walkable city. And that's kind of been the idea 
idea is making it more dense and walkable downtown, which creates density and vib- uh, vibrancy. So that's kind of the idea with that. And then on the other side, of course, you know, the Senate side is very similar. Uh, you, know, you know, money for small business competitive grants, which are very important because I know a lot of folks that I speak to on a daily basis do not want to go into more debt. You know, giving loans is a great thing when you need it, but. If you're not have, if you don't have any income coming in, uh, you know it, it's very hard to take on a new loan that you don't know if you're going to be able to pay off, and you're you know signing off on it. So, those are the kind of things. Infrastructure we've talked about uh, in the past. Uh, that's a big one because the infrastructure idea has changed. It's not just roads and bridges. We've noticed that uh, since COVID, it's broadband. We all need better, faster, reliable internet. Uh, so this infrastructure bill, or part of the economic development bill, is going to to address that and say we need better quality internet so right uh-huh. and uh, hold that thought because i that leads me to my next question is um is internet in the city and what it means so we'll be right back with our alex guardiola from the worcester regional chamber of commerce As the voice of local business, the Worcester Regional Chamber of Commerce works hard to foster a dynamic environment of entrepreneurship and economic success. Our members benefit from a broad portfolio of services, including advocacy, economic development activity, and programming efforts. Is your business a member? Check out more at WorcesterChamber.org or on social media at Worcester Chamber. Okay, uh, we're back. Uh, Alex, We uh, before the break, we talked, uh, we just made the segue about infrastructure, and it used to be used to be uh, roads and bridges and buildings, but now it's uh, it's things like internet. Yeah, broadband became a, you know, it's obviously been an issue for a while, but I think it finally spearheaded through everything else and uh, made it a point that said, you know, I think that we're all going to be utilizing broadband and internet on a regular daily basis, uh, whether it be office or school. Yeah, and anybody you know, anybody who follows the news, um, read or you know, watch recently the news between um, the city's provider charter and the in the school system and how they're at odds trying to come up with a deal in the in in city officials. So you know, where does that stand? Uh, where does the chamber come in? To, to that picture, where do you kind of see things going? Yeah, so we uh, at the Chamber did a report a few years back, uh, probably about four or five years now, uh, specifically on broadband and fiber um, and how we have to upgrade our system. Uh, you know, there is a lot of dark fiber in the city that folks don't know about, but we need to be able to c- connect it to our buildings and our uh, whatever, you know, brick and mortar we want to put it into, whether it's a school, whether it's, you know, municipal buildings, things of that nature. Uh, we realize it's a very important part now that everybody is working remotely. Students are learning from home. Uh, there's conversations about doing maybe a hybrid schooling coming in the fall, or maybe a full uh, at home. You know, they're just it's an important piece in the sense that you know I know the Worcester Research Bureau did a uh, fantastic mm. report. Yeah, that and I'm and I and just reading the the title of their report, broadening broadband, considering municipal ownership as a solution to Worcester's internet challenges. Um, mm-hmm. it, they really kind of put it out there as a as a legitimate idea. Absolutely, and I think that they uh, they made a strong case for it. You know, there's uh, obviously in Shrewsbury, just a town over, they've been municipal for, but they also have their own light and power. But uh, internet and cable is a big piece of it, where we could be you know self sufficient. We can you know continue investing in our own city versus waiting for a third party to decide that they're going to, you know, obviously we heard the city manager and the mayor blast, you know, our local provider, but 
you know, at the same time, uh, we need to come up with a plan before we start pulling plugs on things uh, because it's it's the future. We understand this. This is going to be the way that the world works. We all do Zoom. We all do, uh, you know, emails, things of that nature. So Yeah, and the, uh, and the report, um, you know, didn't just – it's not just based on um, wishes and theories. I mean, they, they cited uh, – um, Glasgow, uh, Kentucky is yeah. the first city to start their own internet service provider, their, their ISP system. Um, so the, the, I think what's impressive about the study is that it's not just wishful thinking that this is, there was some actual study and thought that went into it. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, they, they, they cited a few cities which were very similar sized, uh, same kind of demographics. Uh, so it, it it shows the, the, the actual availability of it and something that maybe the city should start considering as an option. Yeah, and especially now with COVID um, and uh, so many people working uh, remotely, um, it's become such a just just an important issue for everybody. Yeah, and obviously, you know, walking from the chamber to down here to the TNG, uh, just it's a little eerie walking down the street when there's nobody, you know, bumping into you or you're trying to sidestep anybody. So it just goes to show you that people are starting to re- work remotely uh, more often and probably in the near future going right. forward. So. Well, hold that thought because I do want to talk to you about remote, uh, working remotely, um, you know, the occupancy rates um, downtown and other things that the chamber is involved in. So hold, hold that thought for one second. As the voice of local business, the Worcester Regional Chamber of Commerce works hard to foster a dynamic environment of entrepreneurship and economic success. Our members benefit from a broad portfolio of services, including advocacy, economic development activity, and programming efforts. Is your business a member? Check out more at WorcesterChamber.org or on social media at Worcester Chamber. Okay, we're back with Alex Guardiola from the Worcester Regional Chamber of Commerce. Uh, Alex, uh, we just uh, talked a little bit about uh, internet and infrastructure um, and how it's uh, how it's uh, so important. Um, and that segue into uh, remote, um, remote working remotely. Uh, talk a little bit about the people you've talked to, um, chamber members. Um, you know, and how that, how it's going and what they think the future might hold. Yeah. I mean, in the conversations that I've had uh, with our, you know, our, our members here in the downtown area specifically, I think that you're going to see that more and more companies are going to use remote as an option, which means that a lot of our brick and mortar is going to have to change. Uh, you know, maybe about, yeah, about a, over a year ago now. Oh, no, not even. I'm sorry. A little less than a year ago in October, we had our game changers specifically around housing and the housing crisis that we have. The Secretary of uh, Economic Development and Housing, Secretary Keneally, has spoken about housing as an issue uh, time and time again, including up to probably a couple hours ago when I saw his Twitter account. It's an important piece. And I think that maybe this is an opportunity to change some of these buildings into, you know, maybe mixed use where you have half commercial office space and then half, you know, units people can live in. Yeah. And uh, I just want to ask you specifically about a couple of high profile buildings downtown. One being, um, I, I know uh, Tim Murray, the, the president and CEO of the Worcester Chamber of Commerce, uh, talked uh, at length about the Unum property. Um, and then the other one is uh, 446 Main, which um, a uh, Telegram Gazette story, um, you know, last week, uh, just a couple of days ago mentioned was uh, about half full as they undergo a, a substantial renovation. Just talk to, talk about those properties and any other properties. Yeah, so we'll start with Unum. Obviously, sure. it's it disappointing to hear that they were going to be leaving. Um, I, I think that we saw some of the writing on the wall. You know, five, six years ago, they were at, you know, 700 employees. Um 
as of when they left a few weeks ago, they were down to 400 in the area. And I think that you start you started to see the trend. They lost. They they gave up some floors. Um, so it, it was a little disheartening to hear though that they were going to just pull the plug outright. But uh, those are their choices. Um, but I think that you know again, I think that they're going to have to make a valiant effort to make sure those spaces are leased, uh, just because of the fact that they do have a contract with the city. Um, I hope that they do you know stick by their guns and say let's you know make sure that we get some more vibrancy and density downtown. I think that you see a lot of we still we at the chamber we still see a lot of interest from across the country to come to the city of Worcester. Yeah, so that situation as it stands, uh, like you mentioned, Unum uh, obviously assigned a long term lease, um, so they're um, they're either on the hook for the the money or they've got to try to uh, essentially sublease that space. Right. Yeah. I mean, they would have to pay back all those taxes that they try to sign on, off on. So, um, and then obviously with Synergy with the four four six building, uh, the glass tower, which is obviously an iconic building, and uh, you know Ryan Chamberlain, who's uh, on that story, which was a great story by the TNG. Right. And I just I, I, th- I looking not to interrupt, but yeah. the, the story, um, the the paragraph in that story that really struck me. I think it's a jumping off point is that downtown commercial real estate was was growing uh, uh, pre-coronavirus with occupancy rates rising in several buildings, including 100 in this building, yeah. uh, 100 and 120 Front Street in the Mercantile Center. So, um, you know, does the fact that coronavirus was the cause of maybe some of these issues does that give you hope and faith that uh, when things do uh, rebound, that the uh, that that it'll rebound in the um, you know in the in the rental market as well? Yeah, I think that I think that we still have you know faith and and hope, and we truly believe in it that you know you're going to see people who still want to do work in Worcester, and you see companies that come from across the country, Bloom Shapiro, perfect example. They had to set up shop here because they knew this was the next place to be. Uh, you know, Synergy Investments, they come in and they say, we're going to buy the glass tower. Right. And we're going to reinvest millions and millions of dollars. And the research there. bureau before, you know, back in February, uh, did a report that said, I think occupancy rates were like 90%. Yeah. So, um, so we were there, yeah. you know, the, the hope is to get back there. And, uh, and you, before I interrupted you, you started talking about 446 Main and the Glass Tower and, and what the future holds there. Yeah, no, I, I, again, I, obviously it was a great article by the TNG on Sunday, and uh, we want to make sure that folks understand that these are not, you know, your typical, you know, Worcester holding people who are trying to invest in the city because they, they know what's going on. These are people from, you know, national name brands, Boston big property companies who want to say, hey, I want to dump some money into Worcester because I know that this is the next place to be. Yeah. And you mentioned Ryan Chamberlain and yeah. his quote from the uh, from the TNG piece that says, quote, you know, it reminds us quite a bit of the success in Boston, end quote. Right. And it, for him to come right out and say that, especially during COVID and knowing that, you know, they're going to take a little bit of a hit while COVID's going on. And I think he said it right in the article. It kind of gave us a, a little bit of a time to start redoing some work inside the building while, you know, there weren't folks in there. Uh, it just gives us, you know, optimistic views of what we should see downtown with the vibrancy. Yeah. And uh, speaking of downtown, we'll just take a, another quick break and come back and talk about uh, talk about a few of the, the, the restaurants that are even planning on opening downtown. Um, and we'll talk about that and wrap up with a few other things. As the voice of local business, the Worcester Regional Chamber of Commerce works hard to foster a dynamic environment of entrepreneurship and economic success. Our members benefit from a broad portfolio of services, including advocacy, economic development activity, and programming efforts. Is your business a member? Check out more at worcesterchamber.org or on social media at Worcester Chamber. Okay, we're back with 
Alex Gariola from the Worcester Regional Chamber of Commerce. Uh, Alex, uh, again, uh, you know, a, 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 I thought was a, a really good read in the uh, in the Sunday paper on uh, the Mercantile Center with the headline "Full Steam Ahead for." The, uh, for the new restaurant there in uh, the Broadway Hospitality Group, uh, still targeting next spring as their opening for their uh, uh, for their new restaurant. So again, um, when you expect maybe big projects to take a pause and, and take a step back, that's just sort of another example of somebody moving forward, um, planning on being there for when things finally reopen for good. Yeah, and it goes to show you that you know, uh, you know. The hospitality industry was probably hit the hardest out of all the the sectors during COVID. Um, you know, in a company like Broadway, who you know has a restaurant in South Boston, and they have Tavern in the Square throughout the state. Uh, it goes to show you that they still want to invest and want to keep on track because they feel that it's, it's an important piece to their uh, you know to their book of business. So they. They see it as an essential piece. They may be the biggest restaurant in the city after they're all said and done with the rooftop. And it shows you that people want to be downtown. You had the 110 Grill when open when they opened up. They were huge. The beer garden. Uh, you know, there's a lot of good things going on downtown. And the fact that we're reopening and trying to get those folks uh, some business is, uh, you know, it's a key piece to the downtown core area. Yeah, and uh, just to kind of refresh people's memories, I mean, 12,000 square feet, 500-seat restaurants, yeah. um, they just don't build those every day. Right, exactly. I mean, I haven't seen one of those in a while since I've been maybe when I went to the Back Bay and I uh, was looking at some monsters, but that's pretty much it. You know, it goes to show you that's a really big investment for them. Yeah. Have you uh, have you been out to eat lately? I have. I have uh, well, I do a lot more takeout than anything yeah. else. Yeah. So I, uh, I try to hit my neighborhood districts. Uh, you know, I'll hit Shrewsbury Street. I'll hit the Canal District. Uh Go up to uh, you know, go up to Quinn's and get some food. So I try to just spread it around, spread the love around. But um, I'm also a big fan of takeout. So <laughs> and with no uh, no bar stools, it just makes it easier. For yeah, me to no go shortage home. of options in, yeah. in Worcester. So uh, yeah, that's the best thing about it. So what? Uh, where do we go from here, Alex? I mean, there's uh, there's just uh, it's. You know, it's a it's a it's a wait and see approach to some of these government uh, government programs and in uh, bills. Um, you know, um, so where do you see us in the next week, two weeks? Yeah, well, obviously, you know, on the federal level, we're waiting on the uh, the next stimulus package. Uh, you know, it's, it's the heroes on the, Rep- the House of Representatives side versus the Heels Act on the Senate side. Um, I know that Mitch McConnell had made a deadline of August seventh <coughs> for them to get a package out. So this is a big week for us to just continue to press refresh and see if anything comes up. A lot of people waiting on, or probably already missing those six hundred dollar uh, stimulus. Absolutely. Uh, Checks. Yeah, you know, and uh, it, it's it's going to affect some folks hard, you know, and I know that the governor signed the moratorium on evictions, but that's a scary feeling, you know, right. when you think about maybe losing your home with your family, uh, it, it does really affect folks. But and at the same time, we got to also think about getting back to work and, uh, you know, folks who took out those PPP loans, they have to get people back in to, to get them forgiven. Yeah, and August is just going to be such a crucial month, not only for businesses, but schools and, right. and a lot of people, um, a lot of these bills going on. So, uh, so I, I have a feeling we'll, we'll be back here in, in a week or so uh, with, with even more updates. Right. Hopefully we'll, we'll know a little more by then. That's right. That's Gar- uh, Alex Guardiola from the Worcester Regional Chamber of Commerce. Dave Nordman, the executive editor of the Telegram and Gazette, uh, will join us next week. Uh, thanks as always, Alex. Thank you for having me. Right. Nice to fill in for the boss. Yeah. Say hi to Tim for us. I shall.